0: This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle bearings Thank you for joining us on this special bonus episode. I say it's a bonus episode, because I'm just talking about basketball and TV. And <laughs> like I feel kind of It's like normally we, we take uh, you know, current events, some stuff, uh, some stuff with some more weight to it. And we uh, it's also a bonus episode because we do have an episode dropping for you tomorrow. But in the meantime. If you watch snowfall, if you care about the NBA, enjoy. So let's talk hoops real quick. My beloved Lakers, we fucking suck. We're not going to make the playoffs. And even if we win a play-in game and we play A first round it's not gonna feel like we really played around it's not gonna really feel like we made the postseason because when you used to championships when you grow up hearing stories about how amazing the 80s showtime lakers was oh we had kareem then we had magic and we had worthy and michael cooper was a defensive player of the year and byron scott was a role player averaging 18 points a game when you hear that type of stuff, and then you experience a Shaq and Kobe 3 Pete. then you experience Kobe Bryant and Paul Gasol running it back-to-back. Losing in the first round or the second round doesn't even feel like you made the postseason. And then, 2020, we all remember that year as much as we want to forget about it, but 2020... Kobe Bryant dies. The year before that, Nipsey Hussle died. LA got hit by COVID hard. And it was one of those things when the bubble came back in, it was like, look, man, it's a dark cloud over the city. We need a championship. We need this. And Braun fucking delivered. And that's one thing I will say about LeBron. Because I mean I'm not a I'm not a LeBron apologist. I'm not a LeBron hater. But one thing I will give him credit for Cleveland in the drought and LA when <coughs> LA when we needed it. LeBron has delivered rings to cities when they really fucking needed it. So I will give him that. Um but yeah, we suck right now. I have I have a friend. I watched the well, I watched the game against the Pelicans where we lost by like 27. It was fucking awful. And now the Pelicans look like they're gonna make a play-in game with no Zion. Um I got a friend though that went to a Lakers Warriors game that was right before Super Bowl Sunday, and he said I looked at their body language, and I could tell none of them fuck with each other. None of them fuck with each other. Westbrook did did, did not even come out to shoot around. And I'm like, that's not good. (laughs) Because, I mean, there's what we see on TV, but there's stuff you see on TV. And, you know, it's just a camera being on somebody for a few seconds, and then it switches. So you you can't get everything. But just that lets me know even more. Because, I mean, and like one of those guys where... You want him on your team until he doesn't want to be on your team. Because during the All Star break, or, or during the All Star game, whereas, you know they did like their media day and all that, he uh, he said something like, "Yeah, I wouldn't rule out returning to Cleveland. I know Cleveland looks attractive. I know they look nice, but don't say that shit out loud while you're with us. <laughs> don't fucking say that." And then he, and then he, he did the well. I mean, ultimately, my goal is to play uh, with my son, so wherever he ends up, that's where I'll be, so who knows, I could, I remember on the shop, he was saying, like, there's no way in hell, like, he would, you know, play for Orlando, if he got traded to Orlando, he'd retire after having his PTSD from being the bubble, what if Bronny got drafted by the Magic, then we start doing the, what if Bronny got drafted by the Warriors, ooh, then LeBron's in Golden State, you know, like, and then we fucking do that, it gets stupid, but... Bron knows what he's doing, because I would see him do that type of shit in Cleveland, and I'd be like, you know what, I'm like, I'm pro-fan, and then I'm pro-player, and right, and I'm not a fan of the Cavs, so you know what, like, if you want to, like, do your, like, kind of, like, subliminal Drake shit and unfollow unfollow the Cavs on Instagram, like, I get it, you know, they burned your jersey when you left, they talk shit to Kyrie, like, they're... They're like a really, really fucking bad. Actually, I'm going to say Cleveland and like these new Warrior fans that like thought basketball started in 2015. I'm going to say that like the Cavs and Warriors have equally trash fan bases. Just like, what the fuck? You talking shit to Kyrie when he won you the one? (laughs) Like, fuck. But anyways, like, I had no problem. Like, it's like, yeah, Dan Gilbert wrote the little fucking angry slave master letter. They burned your jersey. If when you you being back on the second time in Cleveland and you talking that shit, you're really from Akron. Like I fucking get it, but you're a fucking Laker. Don't, don't do that all like, Hey, well, this is, this is, this is not the possibility, especially when you're the face of the franchise. It's one thing with somebody like Anthony Davis, like how would you feel like playing in Chicago and him saying like, I won't rule it out. Cause it's like, well, we know AD's not going to be a Laker for life. <coughs> But come on, man. And look, I'm not going to do the thing that a lot of Lager fans do <clears throat> where we act like, you know, Kobe never did shit we didn't like. Like, Kobe fucking retested, requested trades and, you know, he fucking complained about people and he sucked up money on his way out where he's getting something like, you know, 40 million a year. So he couldn't sign anybody. And it was his, like, you know, the, the farewell uh Rob the bank, thank you for your service contract. <clears throat> like, I'm not going to act like, you know, and, and then when he, he uh, refused to shoot the ball during a series against Phoenix in, like, 06 to make a point that he has nobody. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and act like Kobe was always, like, <laughs> was like, oh, Kobe would have never. Kobe was so much better. But there's certain shit you just don't li- you just don't like seeing. You know, and it's like, come on, man, you're a Laker. Like, I don't, like, you're, you're talking about you won't rule out going back to Cleveland. Also, if I was Cleveland, I got a nice squad built through trades in the draft. I would not want Braun to come back. I mean, I'm sure if Braun wanted to come back, they would accommodate. And he would, like, you know, just suck up all their money. And, you know, I can see that happening. Because, I mean, come on, ticket sales go up if he's back. So, I can see that happening. But... I don't know, I just didn't like that. Honestly, I think this is kind of it for the squad. I'm not saying like we should blow it up, but I th- I think this is kind of it. We got the one and I think 2020 was the only way we could have gotten the ring with a uh, LeBron and AD together just off of us having the break. And I'm not saying like <laughs> like I'd rather live in a world where COVID <laughs> Where COVID happens and we win a ring, as opposed to living in a world where <laughs> COVID like, wasn't as bad. Like Maybe it happened, but there were no like fucking serious lockdowns, but the Lakers don't win a ring and the season doesn't stop. I'm not saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> there's probably somebody out there that would be like, you know what, I'd take all the bullshit that came with COVID. Probably some shithead that was just kind of like, yeah, I never stopped partying. You gotta get ass a right. rate. You gotta give that ass a break. Um. Anyways, no, I think Anthony Davis is a guy that I don't think he's built. He's built to play a full season of basketball. I don't think he's built to play eighty two games and then like a twenty two twenty four game postseason. I think certain guys are built for that, and some some aren't. And I'm not gonna even make jokes and call him street clothes or or whatever, because I realized, like, th- these guys do want to play, like, if he could be out there, he would fucking be out there, like, they love to hoop, they train for this, I'm not saying, like, oh, it's because he's mentally weak, or whatever, he's soft, I think, I don't know if it's all the AAU basketball that these guys played growing up, where, you know, you're crammed into a bus when you're, like, six eight and you're playing basketball all day, and, you know, having some Fucking off brand lunch, and then you play some more basketball, and then you're back crammed into the bus, and you know, like I, I don't know what it is, but I, I mean, I just think there are more and more guys as, as, as much as the league is deeper with more talent, I think there's also less and less guys that can really, really play a full season. Because if you think about like how often it's like, oh yeah, yeah, such and such is out. Oh, now they're back in. Such and such is in. There are just so many, so many of our superstars. Aren't playing, you know, past seventy games. I mean, and like a guy like Kawhi Leonard's another guy, kind of like Anthony Davis, where I'm like, I don't think he's built to play like a full season of basketball. And I think when he plays, it's gonna be <coughs> really, really fucking special, and we're gonna see some amazing. Stu- we're gonna see some amazing stuff, but I don't, I don't, I don't think they're built for that. So yeah, uh, with the Lakers, I think move AD, move Westbrook. Um, they're not. They're not going to do a contract buyout. They're going to see what they can get for Westbrook, and I don't know what it could be. I don't. I think Westbrook is one of those guys. I don't. Kind of like Allen Iverson, where it's like I can't really see them reinventing themselves. I can't see them being fine being in the second unit. So I mean, it's like I don't even know what you do in a situation like that. And then on top of that, it's like, well, who the fuck wants to take on that contract? And everybody that was willing, like. New York and uh Houston where we could have got John Wall or uh Kimba Walker, they're like, Yeah, we also want that 27 draft pick. It's like, no, you fuck you in the 27 draft pick. We're kinda trading for the same shit. No. Come on. I mean, honestly, I think we'd we'd be better off moving A D and then just getting like a, getting more role players. And, and, and like or in like or like fringe all stars like 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 a Tobias Harris, like uh now that it, 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 like you have a few of those because, I mean, we gave up so much depth just to get Westbrook. Ugh. I mean, I don't know. You've heard it all before. uh Philly's looking good. By the way, my team in the whole <coughs> who won the trade, Brooklyn or Philly, I'm going to say Philly because they're going for it now. They can actually really, really go for it. Because Brooklyn, you can't really go for it. I know Eric Adams is, like, trying to, like, talk himself into the people and, like, letting Kyrie play. But he's like, yo, look, I, we have, like, government city government workers, city employees that we're telling them will lose their job if they don't get vaccinated. What's it going to look like if we let Kyrie play? I want to see Kyrie play. I know it's going to be great for the city. I want us to win the championship, but come on. <clears throat> and Kyrie is is looking like Westbrook more and more in the sense where – he doesn't seem easy to play with. It's like, all you got to do is just get the shot and you fuck. It. Ugh. I just, know, I just know if I was in the Nets locker room, I'd be real pissed. Like, all right, so like, <laughs> we have a home game. I would definitely be saying slick shit every home game. Um, no, yeah, Philly won because they're, like, really going for it. They're like, you know what? We got James Harden now. James Harden just slimmed down super quick. Uh, he's, he's, he's playing well, Joel Embiid. He's saying all the right stuff out loud. You know, this was originally my first choice. <laughs> he's he's saying all the good stuff, you know? Uh, cause so many teams do the, do the, like the, you know what? We'll blow it up. You know what? We'll go for it next year. You know, like we're in the rebuild phase and like, especially Philly, you know, the, their whole trust the, po- trust the process thing. And now it's like, they're like, okay, like the process is done. We're fucking going for it. Like process is over. Now it's time for progress. In Brooklyn, I just like Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball in a long time. Um, I think he's too, he's obviously too vulnerable on offense. I think a lot of people, a lot of teams are just going to exploit the fact that, you know, he doesn't want to shoot. He won't shoot. He can't shoot. Kevin Durant, who know who knows how long he's gonna be out. Kyrie like can't again can't play home games. Philly won the trade. That's not even that's not even a discussion. Uh who my my picks to win it all. It's down between seven teams. Three in the west, four in the east. In the west, Golden State. But Dre Dre's gotta be healthy and Clay, Clay has to stay healthy. Wiggins has to keep playing like an all-star. I mean, I really, I don't think he should have started an all-star game. It should have been Devin Booker. They got the number one record in the league, like, like Book should have started. But Wiggins has to play like an all-star. Steph's just got to keep doing him. MV, MVP caliber player. He's fucking incredible. Like, come on. Steph's going to be Steph. <coughs> but I see Golden State winning with that. But, I mean, if Dre doesn't come back and... You know, Wiggins doesn't look like regular season Wiggins, and Clay gets hurt. I I don't see, I don't see it going too well. Like I can see them losing to like a Dallas or or a Denver, you know, in the first round. Um, you know, those guys aren't there. Memphis, Memphis is my other pick. John Morant, and then just like a fucking deep squad. They're kind of like that 2011 Dallas Mavericks team where you only really have one All Star, but you, you you got some vets, you got some scrappy guys. And then just, you know, and then you got John ja Morant. Like, I, I can see it happening with them. I can see them, like, just like, oh, how the fuck did this happen? Now, granted, like, in order for Memphis to get there, I think you would have to have shit like an injured Draymond. You would have to have shit like, you know, uh, Chris Paul just doesn't have it one night. Devin Booker's cold another night. And then DeAndre Ayton gets hurt. Like, I, like there are certain things that I think would have to happen in order for Memphis to win it, but there's still... In it for me, Phoenix goes without saying. I mean, come on. Number one record in the West, like in the East. I got to go with the Miami Heat just because they got the number one record in their conference. <clears throat> and you can never count out the number one seed, even if you don't don't think they're going to win it all. Like, like with uh, Utah, when Utah was the number one seed like last year. I don't know if they finished number one, but I know they had, like, the top seed f- for a time. I was still like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to count Utah out, even though I don't think they can do it. Uh, Philly. Philly, I mean, Embiid's MVP caliber mode. Harden's balling. It, it's it's working. I can see them really going for it. Milwaukee, of course, got go to go with the defending champs, especially with... If they still look good and everything seems to be going well over there. Even though we don't look at Milwaukee a lot because it's not like a, a, a sexy team. It's not a sexy market. But, you know, we still. And, and like, Giannis is like the type of guy where it's like he's not going to be. You know, he's not going to be at the Super Bowl with uh, Damson Idris and uh, Daniel Kailua and Jamie Foxx. And I don't know. The nigga from Get Out. I don't know how to say his name. But <laughs> with Daniel K. Like, he's not going to be. The, hobnob with all the celebrities like he's going to be with his family so players when the, you don't see them all the time it, you don't you don't really feel i feel like you know byproduct of that we like all right we don't look at their instagram stories as much you know we all look at lebron's instagram stories see him fucking up some lyrics anyways i don't care about milwaukee in chicago come on chicago but again it's i think chicago it, it's got to be uh a golden state sort of situation where their guys need to be healthy. Caruso's got to be out there. (coughs) It it can't just be, you know, um, Damar and Zach, you know, like Zoe's got to be out there. It's gotta be, it's gotta be fully functioning. What I would like to see, what I would like to see would be a Chicago and golden state NBA finals. That'd be sexy. San Francisco, Chicago, two big markets. You got and even those I know like players don't care about big markets. Guess what? I'm pro fan. I'm not pro player. I'm pro fucking fan. Fans care about big markets. And I want to see I want to see Chicago and uh it's in San Francisco. It? Uh, I know some Warriors fans are pissed off. I keep calling it San Francisco, but guess what? That's where the fuck you play now. Open days are over. Streets is done. Oh, yeah. All-Star game. Real quick. I, I love the target scoring. Let me say this about the All-Star game uh, in regards to the dunk contest. Because I know like we should just act like the dunk contest never happened. And I'm not even going to give like a play-by-play. Here's how I think. I think that there are two problems with the dunk contest. One, nobody famous does it anymore. Or nobody. When I say fit, like nobody is like an all star or or <clears throat> perennial all star. Because I think with the dunk contest, what happened is LeBron gave guys an excuse not to do it. Because LeBron came with that, oh, I'm more of an in game dunker. And then a bunch of people were like, yeah, I'm an in game dunker. Anthony Edwards, you know, I just like dunking on somebody. I'm better dunking in games. And then I think John Morant says something similar. <clears throat> Fuck that. Okay, it's like I want to see, like, because every year that the dunk contest is like memorable, it's like somebody like a Blake Griffin, a Vince Carter, uh, a Kobe Bryant, somebody that is going to be in our lives for the next like five to eight years as a notable NBA player. Every year it's good; it's somebody like them in it. And you know what I I think would be fun with the dunk contest? I think. If I, honestly, it's kind of done like the Olympics, and it's like you know what? We don't need a dunk contest every year. What if we just had a dunk contest, <laughs> like every every three years, every two years? Like we just took one year off, and then it, it just mattered more. Oh shit! The dunk contest is back. The dunk contest is back because you you had uh, fucking Anthony. Fucking Duncan and Tim's. Like, and it's just like, this look it, it kind of, it felt like I, you were at like AAU and it was just like a bunch of kids fucking around. Anyways, that's it. The year is starting off on a good note because my program is back. Always a good feeling when your program is back and there's a difference between your program, your show and a show that you just watch because a show that you just watch will be some stuff you just have on the background, some stuff you fuck around on your phone and you want something on to kind of distract you. You're just kind of like, I watched a few episodes. I just kind of want to know what happens. and I just kind of like the way the show looks, you know, like that's your show. But your program you're invested you care about the side characters you're like man i want to know more about their backstory and you, you you re-watch it or you you're like you know what when the series is over i'm going to rewatch it so i can like just go back in that world and when the show comes back or you go back to that show when you have a program is it's like it's like a home cooked meal when you come back home. You're like, oh man, mom made me made me this. It's like going back to like your friends. It's like, oh man, I'm back with my friends now. You know, it's like whatever you show it. Like, like for me, like with the wire, it's like, oh yeah, Bodie's my friend. Stringer's my friend. McNulty and Bunker are my friends. Lester's my friend. Like I'm back with my friends. You know? So anyways, Snowfall is back and Atlanta is coming back Next month, and um, one of my shows, Big Mouth, is back. But I haven't because it was a show that, and this is like the second time this has, this has happened to me, where there's a show that you and a girlfriend watched a lot, <coughs> and like I watched I watched Big Mouth before I was with her, but then it was like there are these shows where it's like it becomes <coughs> like the show becomes a part of your love language. You know, where it's like, oh, man, even your inside jokes and everything and the way that you'll say certain things to each other is based around the character. and You guys just kind of live. It's like that meme that says there's this meme that says something like uh, before memes, uh, we just yelled Chappelle show quotes at each other. That was actually a very annoying time. It was very fucking rough. Anyways. (laughs) You know, you you fucking so like I've I've held off a um, big mouth. I'm like, you know, what, I'll, I'll fucking watch it when I feel like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get really high and go back into it. And for me, it's not even like like I I miss the girl. It's just like, damn, I just want to I just want to quote some of this shit at this bitch. <laughs> Speaking of um, Chappelle show and yelling quotes, I remember my dad. We went to Lake Tahoe one time. And this is like 2004. We go to Lake Tahoe summer 04. and I'm like 13 years old. So I'm at that age where I'm just kind of like, everything kind of sucks when between like 13 and 15, because it's like all like you don't want to go to like a playground and be around a bunch of like kids on monkey bars, but then at the same time it's like you don't b- belong around some 16 to 17 year olds doing drugs or we're drinking or trying to fuck so it's like that age from like 11 to like 13 14 it just really sucks because it's like what can you really do anyway so we went to lake tahoe and i hated lake tahoe when i went a year ago as a grown man i hated lake tahoe as a kid just don't fucking like lake tahoe it looks beautiful but it's like gross it's anyway so we're on the way back rough trip we're on the bus, and my daddy's 6'3". He He—he was fucking uh, man-spreading, as they called it. I just call it he was being a fucking asshole. And he's got his legs stretched all the way out. And I'm like, come on, man, give me some room. And then he just laughs at me, pushes me, and then does it and falls asleep. I'm like, fucking asshole. But while we're on the bus, there's a, these group of kids. They're about my age. And this one boy, he's just yelling, I'm Rick James, bitch fuck your couch, fuck your couch, and he says, white kid, and he he doesn't say fuck your couch, nigga, but everything, It just kind of like, this white boy is so close to saying nigga, and he never said it, but he's like, yo, fuck your couch, I'm Rick James, bitch, and then my dad is like, Lyle, could you go over there and just fucking give him, like, one in the chest, I'm like, no, man, I ain't fighting no kid for you, bro, <laughs> like, <laughs> what? I wasn't laughing, I was annoyed, because, like, I knew he I knew he wasn't joking, Somebody was like, "Come on, man, just, just just give him like a little kick or something." I'm like, "Nah, man, it's like," and it was also because he was like, and he didn't seem like the type of kid I wanted to kick it with. But still, it's like a group of kids, and then I'm I'm with my dad. It's just like oh, I'm not really, and I get in a fight, and I got to run I'm Like my dad told me to do it. Like I I, <laughs> I didn't have the foresight to say this at the time, but it's kind of like, how do you expect this to end? How how does this end well for me? And then it was like he was gonna like drop me off in Oakland at the Amtrak, and he's gonna take his Amtrak chain uh down to SoCal. But um <coughs> so anyways, that happens when we're on the Amtrak bus from like Lake Tahoe all the way up into Sacramento. Then we transfer and then we get on the train, <coughs> we get on the Amtrak in uh Sacramento, because then that's when you can proceed to rail service. And then the kids walking around, he's yelling, I'm Rick James, bitch. I'm Rick James, bitch. And he kept doing it. Chappelle had it like that in the For What It's Worth special where he's like, everywhere I go, people yelling, hey, hey, Rick James, bitch. Like, that was a fucking, if you were not around and do not remember 2004, it was really, really annoying. Because it's like you could send text messages, but you had to click on a thing a bunch of times just to get the right letter. So texting wasn't what it was, but we were, like, still doing it um you could surf the internet but then it's like i remember i had a phone where every time i texted it would be like that cost you 75 cents to send that message and then you just <laughs> george bush's america was a wild place anyways we're in we're in the amtrak uh sacramento amtrak station this kid is yawning and then he he goes to get a soda and he fumbles the soda and he tries to pick it up a few times. And my dad just starts kicking the fucking sodas. <laughs> and I'm like embarrassed, but it's also like, I'm like, God, this is this would be so funny if it was not my fucking dad doing this shit. And he keeps kicking his fucking like Gatorade or whatever he got. And the kid he, and then and the kid thinks like cause he already dropped it the one time, so the kid just kinda like, I'm clumsy, it's how I am. And then in his head he's probably going, Rick James, bitch, Rick James, bitch. And then he's trying to pick it up, and my dad keeps kicking it. And then he turns around, he's like, he's like, Hey, what's your what's your problem? He's like, You're my problem. You won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like somebody needs to teach you some manners <laughs> cause he was just like, and like the bus driver, the Amtrak driver should have said something at some point but I feel like bus drivers this had to be a guy that started off like on like uh, inner city bus routes where you just like you know, unless somebody gets like shot like you're trained to ignore everything like they're like fucking uh, you know like cyborgs, but also they don't get paid enough to, you know, really give a fuck and like stop the bus. You know what I'm saying? That's less like where we as society, society gotta like do better and you know jump in and help things. Anyways, so my shows are back. Snowfall, excited. But as I was waiting, you know, as I got in my insecure, had finished up. I don't I don't know if. I don't know, we might do an insecure pot if enough people ask for it. But I got into um, Succession. The Plot Against America. And the Amazon series, The Man in the High Castle, which is based off a 1960s book. Succession. And I'm, I'm going to run through them down real quick. And it, About which is why I'm glad Snowfall is back. Succession is a show which is based on like a kind of Rupert Murdoch sort of character. It's about a person. It's about this family that owns a conservative news network among a bunch of newspapers and other things. That said, uh, the guy that owns the network, uh, he is a bit of a Nazi apologist and it's basically all white people. And it's like this show where it's... Because I told someone who's watching it, a member of Lie Hive. And they were like, wow, that seems like a really fucking white show. I'm surprised you watch it. I'm like, yeah, but it's like good acting, good writing. I'm like, yeah, but it's just so fucking white. And a show like that, it does have to be white. Because if you have like two... Sanai Lathan had like a like a two-episode arc or something like that as a lawyer on the show. But a show like that, it's unbelievable if there's so many black characters. It's like, okay, yeah, it's Fox News sort of network it's like okay tay Diggs has a role on it now okay now we get, now we're bringing in this mexican actor we've seen in a few things and then it, it's like it, it's not realistic for the world you know because i you know diversity is important but like we also can't lie about what shit is. like i don't want to watch a mafia movie where <laughs> where a black dude gets to be a capo in a family and we just act like it's normal like yeah, you know, it was raised by Italians and they accepted me. Oh, yeah, nigga. <laughs> I'm fucking... If anybody would try to do that movie, I feel like it'd be like Sean Combs. <laughs> I can see Sean Combs just being like, yeah, I play a Captain in the Gambino family and it's normal. <laughs> anyway, so I watched Succession. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'm still on my HBO Max thing. And I watched uh, the Plot Against America, which is from David Simon and Ed Burns, and it's it's like a alternative history mini series, and which is based on a book in which Franklin D. Roosevelt is defeated in the presidential election of 1940 by Charles Lindenberg. In addition to that, the Nazis win the war. And they uh, play on uh, this confirmed idea. There, I mean, like, it's history. I haven't read enough about it, so don't quote me on it. But there's uh, enough out there that suggested Charles Lindenberg was, at the very least, a Nazi apologist. And they explore that. And then Nazis are in the White House. And it really goes on to get into if we did accept uh, Nazism, I guess you could call it what it would be like for Jews in America during that time. And, and if we're going to call it what it really is, it was kind of like, it's basically what if Jews had to go through what black people had to go through in the 1920s? What if Jews had to go through what black people had to go through in the South and other areas? That's really basically what it is. And a part of me is just kind of like, you know, you could have just did this movie with us. But, you know, and I I don't want to, I don't want to like, because I'm gonna say a whole bunch of other stuff, and that I would rather like a another Jew here be here for uh, me to say, especially one that that, you know saw the series. But, anyways, good series uh, from my wire guys, David Simon and Ed Burns, uh, has Winona Ryder, uh, uh, John Turturro, excellent cast. It's it's like every other HBO thing they like recycle. People from the other shows, which I am not mad that HBO does because it's like, oh, hey, my friends. But been- oh, Levy, Levy's back. This is great. Oh, Al Capone's brother is back from uh, Boardwalk Empire. So then after that, I was like, you know what? I want to live in this sort of dystopian alternate history world. <coughs> so I watched The Man in the High Castle, which is also based on. Obviously, another alternative history novel in which. The Nazis and basically what happened was um in this world of course, is we got bombed by the Japanese on the west coast all our uh fleets of ships and then we got bombed on the east coast uh by the Nazis and then an atomic bomb flattened washington d c <coughs> and you know and then they split up the country one half is under. <clears throat> Japan rule one half is under Nazi Germany rule and there's some sort of neutral zone in the middle which stretches from like Colorado to some like weird sort of I uh, I don't know southwest trail up until Montana but anyways that's the premise of the show and I'm gonna tell you from all those shows I'm gonna tell you succession is the one, like season four succession I'm gonna be back because I finished all three seasons uh the plot against America, I would probably rewatch that at some point, especially if somebody hasn't seen it. Like if I'm with a girl, but somebody hasn't seen it, I'll be like, you know what, I'll go back to this. The Man in the High Castle, it it looks so it looks nice, especially the exterior shots where they show like uh you know what the architecture would look like if it wasn't as American influenced. But I gotta tell you, there's I got some issues with it. For one, it's too fucking campy. Like there's this oh man, oh wait, so you know them too. Wait, how do you know them? I know them too. It's like really. it's just it gets a little too TVish in this stuff and this stuff where like I don't necessarily blame actors for because it's like you only got what you got. You know what I'm saying? It's kinda like like everybody in the nBA can play, you know. But certain players don't work in certain systems, so you'll be like, oh, my God, DeMar DeRozan is having this amazing season in Chicago. How do we not see this in Toronto or San Antonio? It's like, well, you know, he's, like, in a good situation right now. He's, he's probably playing in a city that he liked more than Toronto and San Antonio. He, as great as Pop is and as much as he loved Kyle Lowry and Dwayne Casey and all those guys, it's like I think it just, it's just working better for him in Chicago. So it's like with actors, you know, you could have situations where it's like, well, there's not much you can do with it. There's not other ways you can play it. With that said, it's too much like that kind of breathy TV acting, that basic network drama acting. <sighs> we have to get them <sighs> out. Why does out of breath always have to be the thing to convey drama? You being out of breath is not going to make me be like, oh, well, I guess this is really important. They're tired. And then my other problem with uh, the man in the high castle, there's a lot of fucking like, um, we need to go back for them. No, we need to get them. (sighs) They're still there. They're still there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. The other thing is, it's supposed to be said. In the 1960s, and I realize, like, also, it's not really believable that we just let them grab this shit. But just for the sake of it, like, let's just say, like, okay, fine, that happened. I realize, like, we're not gonna have 1960s-looking American cars. Like, there's certain shit we're just not gonna have. With that said, the clothes don't look I don't want to say the clothes look present day but they just they don't feel like they're from yet. They feel like they're closer to today than yesterday uh the way they speak. I understand like look we we would not be having no fucking fun under Nazis and um uh a, a dictator Japan rule. So I'm not saying I need to hear, like, groovy, man. Because that's also the thing with period pieces. Like, when you overplay the slang, it just feels, like, fucking stupid. And it's like, all right. You're just trying to make it so obvious we're in, you know, 1977 or whatever. But it just really, like, it doesn't sound like it's of another time. Like, even the way they speak, it feels like present day. The the black characters that are on there, there's, like, I just made it to season two. I couldn't go go any further. But even, like, the black dude that's on it, he's like, all right, so we're gonna need this, and he, he talks like fucking um, you a fake Denzel like the Allstate nigga. He talks like uh, Andre Brower, and it's, and I'm not saying like I need like a deep Southern accent because it's like there were black people that didn't have Southern accents like in the 1800s, but I'm just saying like I don't. uh it, it just doesn't feel like like the 60s. I it really feels like you know it was it feels like fucking um walking dead or some shit. It's, ah, yeah, it just really bothers me. Anyways, with that said, I realized I watched a show about a present day billionaire wealthy white family that owns a conservative news network. Then I watched a thing in which a Nazi apologist becomes president, which I also highly recommend the show, Plot Against America, in which uh, a Nazi apologist becomes president and and being a Nazi is kind of normalized in America, then I want you to think in which <laughs> we lost World War Two. I watch a bunch of stuff where white people are winning even more than they are in real life. Well, with the exception of Succession, because that that is true. But I I watch stuff where white people are like really winning in life and they're like the whitest of the whites. Like you don't get more white than like Aryan, Nazis and the Americans that are okay with them behind closed doors. And I'm like, that can't be good for me. That can't be good for my psyche, like it doesn't make me feel inferior, but it's like it like i I watch some stuff like that, and I'm like, you know what? I probably should be around some white people for the next few days to remind me they're not all like that it's, I don't know it's kind of like a white kid that just watches like fucking minutes to society and then some world star hip hop videos, and then how to be a player. And just like, man, they're just. If they're not killing, they're just laughing and fucking. <laughs> and I'm just like, they're evil, child. They're evil. Like, they, can't, they can't be good, even though like, I just came to fucking get entertained. Anyway, so Snowfall is on. Snowfall's back. Saw the first two episodes. Uh, the night, the night they uh, aired. Well, technically after the night, so they appeared on Hulu. Who gives a fuck? I watch it. Um, it's too early now, though, to say if it's going to be a good season or a bad season. I can tell they're trying to elevate a little bit, cinematically, thematically. Because they're doing like the, like the, they did like the nonlinear storytelling. They're like five days ago, six days ago. And then they, uh, they throw on the Lynn Bias thing on us. Like that's how they started a lot. Of like Lynn Bias doing Culkin in are like trying to be like, okay, and this is, uh, and you know, this is what can happen. And you know what, Snowfall, like, I'm gonna say Snowfall, I, I wouldn't mind Snowfall getting a little bit more artsy. Cause we, we had like the one episode where it was like the sort of like dream scenario where Franklin was going to some school and then Reed Thompson was like a recruiter there. And it was like a sort of kind of alternate dream, whatever state. I don't mind getting more than that from snowfall. Cause honestly, you know, sometimes, I, cause I've said this before where it's like snowfall is a good show with moments of greatness. And I think like some, sometimes I wish like snowfall could just get a little bit more like Atlanta, where we just have an episode like for example, okay, Avi hunting Nazis. He's going to Argentina and he's rolling around. And he's just looking for Nazis. And we still do have people that were Nazi soldiers like alive today. There was there's was actually a documentary that came out not too long ago. Um there was uh there was about the last living World War II era German Nazis. And some of them actually had few regrets and they're just like, ah, I was a victim of circumstance. It is what it is. The documentary is called The Final Account from a, a British director, if you have any interest in that. Anyways, but like a whole cause it's like with Atlanta, like we have a, like a whole episode where it's just like Darius looking for a computer or it's Ernst Girl, uh, Van, uh Vaughn, whatever. But like and it's just her out with her like, you know, kind of groupy uh friend at dinner you know and then having to take a piss test and like that step is it's like and look because honestly that'd be a kind of fun movie like some Israeli you know fucking drug lord or something that just goes around fucking like oh yeah let's, let's 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 track down the nazis that are still alive like i'd fucking watch that movie and like in glorious bastards like there, there's certain things where it's like oh you're killing nazis it's okay it's okay, we can accept that. Like, the violence is a lot more uh, digestible if you just kind of know they're, like, fucking horrible people. Anyways, this season's going to be interesting. Um, one thing that I notice, it shows, like, because I know, like, it gets compared to The Wire a lot, but I think, I think Snow falls a lot closer to being, like, boardwalk empire where it's like this this show about this guy where he values family but he doesn't have the best relationship with them and he's trying to t- take them along and they're not as ambitious or that they don't see these things the same way as he does uh both nucky thompson and franklin saint they knew their fathers but they don't have good relationships with their dads and that kind of informs the men that they are um they're not really tough guys because like nucky Like, Nucky's brother, Eli, was a lot tougher than Nucky. Like, you could picture... Like, even though we've seen Nucky, like, fight and throw punches, you can picture Eli in more fights than you can Nucky. It's, like, same thing with Franklin. It's, like, Franklin was, like... I don't want to say he was a pussy, but he was, like, getting bussed to, like, the white schools with his friend Rob, which we're going to get into later. But he he came up, he was kind of, like... I think he was probably, like, closer to, like, an Ice Cube sort of guy, where it's, like, oh, yeah, he... Like, he's not fucking awkward around, like, you know, a bunch of gang members. But it's also, like, that's not really who he is. But, yeah, anyways, like, the thing, though, that uh, these types of shows have in common is there's always a sort of, like, there's always an adversary. There's, There's always, like, an op every season. Even, like, Sopranos, like, season one of the Sopranos... It was Tony's adversaries were his mom and his uncle. Season two, it was Richie, Richie Aprile. Season three, it was, um, it was kind of it was family shit, but it, it was really Ralph Seferetto. And then season four, it was Ralph Seferetto and his marriage. And then see, and so on and so forth. Same thing with Boardwalk Empire. Season one, it was the D'Alessio brothers. Season two it was Nucky's protege, Jimmy. Season three it was Jip Rossetti. Season four is fucking, um, was uh, Narcisse and losing power and everything that comes with that. So <clears throat> that's like a thing that I see is common with snowfall and shows, shows like it, then uh, Suns Anarchy and so on. And I, it seems like this season, the adversaries for Franklin are going to be. One. Limb bias death, so just like shit rolls downhill. So because, like they said, a basketball, pl- pl- a popular basketball player died in a place close to D.C., and then it's rolling downhill to where it's like, all right, we need more bust, we need more dope on the table. So that's one. Oh yeah, and then white kids are getting high in the suburbs and killing, and killing their own. Which we know as soon as once white people start fucking each other up, now we care, America. So really just the effects of, of dope, a famous black person, regular white kids getting fucked up. The other thing that seems like it could be the adversary this season is. Reed Thompson and the fact that he kind of has or Teddy, he kind of has like nothing to do. His life's falling apart and all that he has is his work. So I can see something happening there. There are a few things I hope they do this season. I do hope we get more into who Franklin really is as a man, because you know the season like they gave him the kind of witchy spiritual lady now, and I guess they have to do that to show he still has somewhat of a soul. Like, oh yeah, we got to get Franklin, we got to get Franklin a wife, we gotta have him or baby mama. He's gotta, and he's into it because it's like Franklin's Saint. He's he's not Tony Soprano yet. Where he's like just a straight selfish piece of shit. Because I I, I don't get the feeling Franklin likes the murder. Or he ever feels like. Or he ever gets a rush out of it. I think he views it the way like an athlete would getting surgery. Like this is just what I need to do. You know. But I'd really be interested in in, uh, the show exploring more of his empathy. His humanity. His guilt. Because it's not. Because again it's not a procedural show like the wire where it's just like this is how like this is how this is done and this is how this is it's it's not as realistic as other shows you know i mean it's not as bad as like the you know power and some of that but again it's closer to the boardwalk empire um so yeah i would just like to see more of franklin cuz it's like you know he is like supposed to be kind of like the anti-hero and i feel like we get a lot of where uh, Teddy is coming from emotionally and spiritually, but I don't feel like we get that from Franklin. I I like to see more of that. Um, Franklin the man. You know, one thing I was hoping for is I was hoping we would get more Rob stuff because whenever the characters on screen, it, it I'm interested. It's not that the, the actor. It's not about the actor. It's about the character. Like the dynamics of like, oh, he helped him get in the dope game via his, you know, from like the, the first few episodes where he, he got into drugs through Rob's family and and the porn in the valley and all that, and them know, them knowing each other from high school. I was hoping we would get like like another storyline because I'm just kind of like, yeah, what what goes on on this side of it, or like we would get an episode where it's like fucking Leon just hanging out in the valley, you know. But you know they ended that, which which they should have, because it's like how long in a tight, closed-lip, black-jug organization, how long would the son of pornographers be able to keep his nose clean and his mouth shut? I don't think that long. So I'm glad they just they just nipped it in the bud. And one of the reasons I wanted more stuff from that is because that relationship between Franklin and Rob. It really feels like a lot of black boy, white boy, Southern California relationships, friendships that I've been in and I've seen my other homies in. Like, it really, really fucking feels. That's one of the things that feels really authentic. Like, there was this line on it when uh, Franklin brought Rob back to his house to... to, uh, clean him up to clean him up after his his uh binge cocaine usage and he, and Franklin goes remember when you spent the night had your mom come over because he was homesick he said I was homesick your house smelled funny and, you know he's been off coke for days it's like he's, he's not gonna you know feel embarrassed about saying that and he said it's called food rob you your house smelled like ass because all that porn and it made me think, and it was like, because there is a thing where it's like we've all been to a black friend's house, where they actually made that joke on Family Guy. By the way, there's there's a joke on Family Guy, uh, where I remember they, and I'm not even a big Family Guy watcher, but there are just certain jokes that just stay with me. And it was the Griffins were at uh, the the Cleveland's uh, house, and there there was a, a line where Stewie said. Why does it always smell like somebody just cooked a meal in here? Or, like, why does it always smell like a last meal or something like that? I'm butchering it. And it, it's, like, and I was like, that is just so fucking perfect. And it also just kind of makes me feel like, is that? Because, like, there's, like, the thing black people, you know, like white people white people smell like wet dogs or whatever niggas will say. And it's, like, do white people sit around being, like, you, you ever notice you go to a black person's house it always smells like some food. <laughs> and I already, you already know, like, because we use seasoning, motherfucker. <laughs> I actually have a theory about that, though. Is I think Franklin's mom indulged me here. I think Franklin's mom has this thing where, for one, I, I like—I don't assume she's like a good cook, just but I assume she's like a better cook than like Rob's family, but like. I feel like she's like one of those people because like a lot of a lot of black mothers will be like it's not even like they're good cooks or bad cooks. It's they're just like some day some nights it's hitting some nights it's not it especially like a certain era because you got to think like the 80s. We were not like very chefy or foodie like in up until like, you know, maybe the 90s, you know. And a lot of parents get this thing. Parents do two things when they cook. They one, they gotta sneak in things for the kids to have a well balanced diet. Like my mom, she would make chili over white rice. Open a can of stacked chili, add a little seasonings or whatever. If we had some leftover bacon, she crisp up some bacon, chop it up, throw it in there. It's delicious. Nice little crispy bits. But while you got your chili, but then she's like, "All right, we need some vegetables. I got time to make a salad. Salads don't always stay fresh." So she would put in canned green beans, she'd chop up some bell peppers, some onions, and throw them in. But then you can't enjoy that you're like, well, I got all this chunky stuff, but I will eat my way around it. I'd have a little bit. and then. But anyways, as a parent, that's what you got to do. And I imagine Franklin's mom being that, you know, Frank, Franklin's an only child. It was just her and him. But she had to, like, make sure he got his nutrition in. I imagine there was some meals cooked where not everything aligned. And she's like, well, it's what's in the fridge? Like, I can picture, like, frankly, being like, damn, mom, you making collard greens and ground beef and noodles together? She's like, well, I can't let it go bad. <laughs> I can picture, like, not, I can picture some, like, kind of questionable, like, if she took, like, a picture of it and posted it to some, like, ruthless, you know, Facebook group, like, soul food foodies or something like that. Like, I can picture getting roasted over some meals. <laughs> And then, you know, like like they live in the hood. So like they ain't just gonna like leave their window open to air the place out. It's like, nah, like we cooked at dinner at nighttime and we can't we can put on a fan or something, but even that costs money, but we ain't so I, I can understand saying, you know, that's the case. Oh, then the other thing is which makes me think Franklin's mom was not a good cook, is I remember it was a scene when it was Alton when uh Franklin's Drunk Daddy uh, came home and was getting himself right. And it was a scene where uh, she said, and he was doing this, oh, I can pay you back. Oh, by the way, that... I, I fucking hate that. because Okay, so my, my same problem. Let me go off a little sidebar, but, uh, nitpick it. So my problem with the performance of uh, the Franklin's dad gave... Or the actor that played Franklin's dad. I realized. One I got to give the actor more credit. Because the guy that played Franklin's dad. um, Let me look it up real quick. It turned out. He was also in. The fucking classic. Paid in full. And I didn't even know it. So when you do shit like that. Where I'm like. I don't even know who you are. Or like, oh, you were in this other thing that I've I've rewatched maybe like five, six times, and then I see you in this other thing, and I don't even know it's you. I'm like, all right, I fuck with you. I genuinely fuck with you. Anyways, I'm trying to find the guy's name. Um, anyways, my point being, shit, what... what God, I hate when this happens to me. I like get all fucking lost. Anyways, um no, but I realized like I, I liked that performance less. Or like I liked it less at the time. I appreciate it more now because I found out the guy that uh I found out it was, like the, the same guy that was in uh blah blah blah. Um But th- there's this character on the shy, which comes on Showtime and it was set. it was by Lena Waithe. And it's a show that was, like, such clearly a fucking, such a fucking ripoff of um, The Wire. Anyways, like, the, the way the guy plays it, it was just, yeah, talk real slow, like this. It was just very, like, overly thoughtful TV, you know. It, it was just too melodramatic for, for, like, what the show is. Like, it, I don't know, it performance just really bothered me um I'll, I'll, oh it' was Kevin Corral that's his name Kevin corral. he was in uh he played calvin and played he he played calvin and pay, paid him full and he's uh Alton Williams on snowfall anyway, so that made me appreciate the performance now or more once I found that out. oh yeah, anyways, that scene how I could tell Franklin's mom was a fucking bad cook. Is a uh, so- sorry uh, apologies why I did that little quick IMDb search. Is there's a scene she says, Take the ground beef out of the freezer, I'll cook it. And I was thinking, like, she just got off work. Okay, she just got off work. She oh, you only gonna wait so long for that ground beef to thaw, she's gonna cook it while it's a little icy. It's not a good meal. Anyways, that's I digress. I just I just had to get that off. Um so anyways, I think like that between not opening up the windows and then her cooking like icy ground meat. Cause if you have some meat you're gonna thaw, you gotta like commit to that and it's like, you know what, during the day, you just gotta take that motherfucker out, take it out for a while, you know what, you're gonna be at work, you're gonna be out. Put it in the fridge. It'll still be a little icy, but it'll, it'll be not as you know, you, you gotta take care of your food. Um, what else do I hope I get get uh this season? Um something needs to happen with Leon. It's too much pussy footing. Cause Leon thinks Franklin is soulless and conniving, and he's like a capitalist worshiping piece of shit. Franklin thinks Leon is dumb and easy, and in real life. Their relationship would only get worse, especially after like Franklin, you know, gave his protection and then Leon's going to come. He's like, you know what? I think I'm done with the game. And it's like, no, you owe Franklin some years, you know. And I got to tell you, if Leon only lasts five seasons, that would make for better TV. That would make for really good TV if Leon lasts like just five seasons and it kind of comes to a head or he betrays him and we don't even see it. And then Franklin just makes the decision. Or Franklin just lets it happen. If somebody's like, all right, we got to give one of your people up. And he's like, you know what? Time after time, I stuck my neck out for Leon. You can have him. Because that's the thing with shows like that, where it's like Sopranos Christopher Montesanti should have been dead, you know? Uh, that's what I love about Boardwalk Empires. They killed uh, Jimmy Darmody off early. You know, by the way, the like the way I realize the way I'm speaking, it sounds like I only watch like two shows. <laughs> but I, I I think a crime TV show becomes bad when they get scared to kill people off, because I, th- I think you need to do that. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like drug dealing. It doesn't feel like a real crime show. Like, The Wire, like, them killing, the thing that made The Wire as great as it was, was they said, no, Idris Elba has to die. Wood Harris has to go to jail. This guy you never heard of, Jamie Hector, yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of him. Because that is the streets. Niggas go to jail, niggas die, niggas turn snitch. So with Leon, I just feel like you know what it's like. If it's got to be, you know, the crips he has on payroll, they got to turn their back on him. It's got to be some shit with Franklin. But I, I feel like he's got to go this season. And the the kid that plays him, like he's good actor, but you know, it's it, it, we're talking about characters. Like he's he's got to fucking go. Um, things I hope I don't see this season. Well, one, I, I hope Leon doesn't live. Uh, <laughs> so it's, the other thing is. I don't want this to turn into, like, the fucking... Because, like, okay, Franklin got his pilot's license, and I'm like... It is believable to me a guy like Franklin could figure out and have interest in flying a propeller airplane more than he does partying. I totally believe that. My fear is they're going to try to turn this nigga into some sort of, like, action hero, and then it's going to be Franklin Saint. He's like, all right, we're going to do a drive-by. Jerome, you're going to throw a grenade out the airplane as we fly by them and they flying by like some fucking street corner. And I just I can see like a scenario which it just kind of gets a little stupid with that. And they just, you know, because they already like really steal from like, you know, Stringer Bell a bunch. like you know, Franklin tucks the shirt in like Stringer. And I mean, I I guess like brothers was tucking their shirt in during the 80s, but you know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah, that's that. That's what I hope. That's what I hope I get, and that's what I hope uh, we don't get from this season. Uh, one thing I like about this season of Snowfall is is I like that they show because I mean, you know me, I love aviation. So you know, this is like it's like drug dealing and flying a plane. This is Lyle Barron's catnip <laughs> with Franklin. Um. What's the thing I was gonna say? The thing that I hope does happen is we get more of um, we get more conclusion to the story. Cause I I, th- I think a show like this is like, and, and the thing with a show like Snowfall is like, you could easily do this up until like the early 1990s, because they're all, they're only on 86 now, and it's like I think, you know, if if you want to even if you want to skip a year and you want to go go 88 or you want to just go straight to 89, like I feel like a show like Snowfall, you it should end in like 1995. At least, I mean, like, if they want to, like, fast forward to, like, the very end and be like, now it's 2002, like, that's fine. But I think, like, in terms of just, like, the season's taking place, I think it's got to end in, like, 93 or 94, you know, uh, if if not, you know, earlier than that. But I would like to just see, like, a sort of end in sight as, as far as, like, the story goes, because it's, like, when it gets too TV-ish, like, it's... You know, like, the the show can't be great. Um, oh, yeah, the thing I was going to say is um, I like that they show they have hobbies. Like, it's like, you know, yeah, Franklin with the with the aviation and uh, fucking Jerome and Louis with the riding horses. You know, it's like it adds like a, it adds a little bit of humanity to it. Oh, and uh, close this out. I want to do... Favorite lines so far for this new season of Snowfall. I mean, I did like it wasn't really a line, but it was uh the, the the stuff with um what the house smells like it was like that was that was just fucking great. Um it's your world. I just sell dope in it. And then he went native. We know how that goes. In regards to the uh, the our brief uh, other CIA dope connect Grady, so he went native. We know how that goes. I really like that because it shows that Reed just looks at everybody as kind of like a piece of the system. And I like the Grady character too because it shows that the CIA guys, it's like yeah, they're part of like the system, this bigger thing. But it's like, they're still regular fucking people. He's got his own problems at home. Grady's enjoying himself. And even the way that they talked, it's like, Reed will talk to Franklin like he's a nigga. Whereas Grady talks to Franklin like, ah, he's this fucking good kid. And, you know, yeah, I can make some extra money. And he's, you know, he thinks we're friends, but we're not friends. And I fuck his bitches. And yeah, it's great. Or, you know, fuck uh, his, his uh, people within his organization. Like, yeah, it's, it's one big party. And a lot of lines get blurred, and it's like, Free was right, like, would have presented a problem. But I, I just really like that line, because it also goes back to that one season where it was dude that was in the jungle that was former CIA. And it was like, yeah, so, sometimes these CIA guys, I guess they can really get involved in the community, and they turn native. It's a term I've never heard before, but it sounds right. I actually should have fucking done research on turning native. Uh, other line I really liked. It's your world. I just sell dope in it. I love that line because for one, Reed has always kinda talked to Franklin like he was a dumb nigga. And no matter how much, no matter if Franklin could fly an airplane. Franklin could have, uh, you know, the the nice penthouse where readers like, oh, it's secure. You have, a, you're not, uh, you're not as likely to, uh, fucking, uh, get hit, have an assassination attempt on you. You're on the top floor. This is a good idea. I recognize this. But at the end of the day, he's going, like, no more loose ends. You can't fuck around anymore. And there's a certain way that he will talk to him that he would not talk to Avi. That he would not talk to Gustavo. It's also like Franklin's younger and he met him under certain, certain circumstances. Which is a thing that happens in comedy. Like, in comedy, a thing that a lot of people, not a lot of people, but that is kind of advised, you know... Some people advise against it because you don't get a home club and having a home club and comedy is very important. I don't even have a home club, you know, which is why I worked my ass off so much like my first like 11 years. And then I just say, ah, what's the point? But the thing that happens in comedy is when you start hanging out at a club somewhere where it's like uh, they know you when you was six months in, maybe. Hey, like, less than a year and they're doing comedy. Maybe even, like, a little over a year, but often less than a year. They kind of always look at you like an open micer to a degree. <clears throat> like, they never really fully look at you. It takes a lot. Like, all right, I'll look at you as a host, but it takes a lot for them to look at you as a feature. And then once you are a feature, it's going to be a lot for them to look at you as a headliner. Like, you pretty much do got to go move to L.A. or New York, get some TV credits, or just, you know, Go hard on uh, YouTube and all the socials and just really have an undeniable following. But that's the thing, like they always see you as a host. They always see you as an open micer, no matter how like no matter how well you do or other places you may work like that's just something that can happen. So I think that's like the case uh, with uh, Franklin and and, uh, Teddy. I gotta get because he said Reed Thompson is dead. So I gotta I gotta get used to the fact of being Teddy. You know we've been hearing raid for so long. Oh yeah, by the way, I typed in uh, "Gone Native" and CIA, and the thing that came up was a book "Gone Native at War with the CIA," and there is. Oh, yeah. Description. The CIA agent goes rogue. OK, so I'm not going to read the whole entire description anyway. So, like, yeah, I guess that's the thing that happens within the CIA when they say uh, gone native. Anyways, uh, this was fun. We we, we got to do this again more often when we just break down a TV show. You know what, if you guys fucking like this, like, let me know, and then I'll, I'll fucking, we'll break down the next episode of Snowfall. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Barron. Thank you very much for tuning in. We have an episode dropping tomorrow. There will not be a bonus episode. There would be a regular, special episode. Because all our episodes are regular and special. <laughs> We got Matt Duckett coming on tomorrow. We're going to talk Ukraine and uh, some other current events. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Have a nice week.